G'day legends and welcome back to the Montana Project. First of all, thank you for coming back and listening to another episode. This week, Corey and I sat down to have a chat with local MP Sam O'Connor. Turned out to be a really good bloke um, and we're super appreciative for his time coming down to uh, record with us. If you um, are also willing, we'd love a rate and subscribe on Spotify. Uh, bump us up and yeah, hope you enjoy. It's amazing you got Flume to do your interviews <laughs> as well. I don't know, this is such a big deal. Just a, just a contact. Yeah, right. yeah, just a quick little ring, mate. We need something for the podcast. Hey, Flume, so. just we need you to drop some beats for <laughs> yeah. See, if we if we had any other candidates for the um for the election on, I don't think they would have been able to make that reference. So. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that's a, that's good point. Good, that's that's, that's a a young people start. in politics, right? You yeah. can make a flume reference. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well yeah, if we can get a bit of an intro on you as well, um, just like a who is Sam O'Connor? And um, how'd you get to? It's probably a pretty big question to start with, but yeah, yeah just a little bit of a backstory and uh, how you grew up. I, I'm I'm 30 years old. Uh, I am the the member for Bonnie in the Queensland Parliament. So that means I represent uh, the Bonnie electorate, which is not a suburb. You haven't missed a suburb called Bonnie on the Gold Coast, but it's got <laughs> uh, obviously Labrador, bigger waters, Arundel, Parkwood. Uh, the surrounds at Helensvale. Mm-hmm. Might add some Metricon work in there. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. The display homes there. Yeah. Uh, and, and all the other houses. Uh, and the top bit of Southport, north of Smith Street. Um, so I've been the MP for there uh, since the end of 2017. Uh, I guess that doesn't define me. There's more about me than <laughs> that. Uh, I, I'm the owner of uh, a one dash hound and one half dash hound yeah. uh, called Aston and Teddy. One, one's an absolute escape artist he well. is yeah the, the staffy dash hound uh i don't want to know how he was created but it's um like which one was the mum right yeah um but <laughs> hopefully it wasn't the dash hound um but he is just built to like dig and jump and yeah. and get out so he uh there was a reason why he was at the animal welfare league um, he, he showed us a photo before and he was kind of like a thick shovel he's, he's just like he's built to to get through yeah things. he's just he's all muscle yeah. uh, very similar to me actually um, <laughs> but he's just like he's just like a, a unit yeah um, yeah just just all muscle um, I live in Parkwood uh, yeah. I I what, what do I like I've got I like records I, I've got a little bit of a record collection i'm growing since mm-hmm. i got a record player last christmas uh i got a lot of books i like reading um i i like afl but i, I haven't been following it as much as i should but i am a sons member yeah um, you support the sons yeah um, <laughs> you have to say that because it, that, of... <laughs> that's the pause every sons member supporter has right yeah. like the yeah <laughs> yeah um I, I, I like adult Lego. There's a there's a fun fact about yeah, me. Yeah, I can get around that. Yeah, that's, it's that's cool. it's. I think it might have been a COVID thing. It just became like a thing. Yeah. And now I've got like like five or six of these adult Lego sets. Really. And they're really good. Is like, it like a like a Star Wars theme. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, well, I've got an A wing, a Y wing. Yeah. Uh, I got the Republic gunship for my. I don't know if you remember. The, yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. would be about the age for like the yeah. prequels. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's that's a why not an X wing too simple. No, they don't. They haven't made one. Oh, really? For a while, really? yeah. They put out. It's called uh, this again. This is a real deep dive. You didn't really want to have. <laughs> uh, it's called the Ultimate Collector Series. So they yeah. have a um, 
they have a a different adult set like two or three times a year. Yeah. So the one they just put out was Luke's land speeder from the the first episode. Yeah, right. Um, but they they haven't done an X wing for a while. The the dream is the Falcon, the Millennium yeah. Falcon. There's a thirteen hundred dollar Millennium Falcon, <laughs> which is like the size of this table. Convin- um, convincing your partner, you're like, no, it's it's, a, it's an investment. Yeah, I, I'm not at that point yet. Um, but yeah, I, I've got the uh, the Tumblr Batmobile in my office. Yeah. Uh, and the U.S. Capitol. As is that well is that office. what you take to work each day? Did you? Try it, it stays there. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to, uh, don't have to transport it. But you know, you know, from the Dark Knight. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, I don't know what else is there. Oh, how did I get into all this? Yeah, yeah. That's probably a good question. Yeah. Yep. Look, there's no there's no real structure. We're still working it out anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can like, edit it anyway, right? Like that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of this. We're not lying. Yeah, but cut it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we because we obviously um, Corey brought it up when we we're looking. Well, we should probably address the fact that elections this Saturday, twenty first. Federal election. Federal Thank, election. Which sorry. is a, yes. the best election is the one you're not sort yeah, of in, yeah, involved yeah. in. You can stand <laughs> on a booth and Sit sort of go. Yeah. You know, nah. vote for me, vote for the last if you want to. <laughs> which yeah. I think we could probably cover what the differences are. Oh, yeah, we'll get it. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we can get into that if you yeah. want. I always love well, to explain. Yeah, because obviously you're re-elected during a state election, yes? Yeah, so uh, backstory on me, I grew up in Ipswich, which mm-hmm. is a, a great city west of Brisbane, yeah. uh, about an hour west west of where we are. But uh, my connection to the coast was, this was just always where we holidayed. So in the 50s, my grandpa and his brother bought a beach house in Labrador. Yeah, right. uh, and that was just sort of our second home. Uh, they unfortunately sold it a little while ago now, but that was uh, we had some family relocate down here as well. But that part of the coast was just sort of where where we viewed as our second home and where we came at every opportunity uh, to Marine Parade there yep. in Labrador. Mm-hmm. Um, or became bigger waters, uh, and I moved down permanently uh, from a bit of an accident in life. So I, I did science and arts at uni. Uh, I was a terrible student. Um, very happy to admit that, but, uh, I, I really, I really did not put the effort into my studies that I I wish I had. Uh, I did enough to sort of, uh, years later realize that I picked up what I needed to, especially from the science, the, uh, the critical thinking and, uh, the, the concepts I, I picked up in the arts degree were good too. Um, but I, I got a. I started working in hospitality when I was at uni, so uh, I realized I wanted to get into something where I was on my feet and I was around people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad had served in the Air Force for 23 years, so I, I figured my life pathway was to be an intelligence officer in the Army. Yeah, right. Uh, but when I finished uni, I had a medical issue that blocked me from doing that, so... Uh, I got the rejection on my birthday, actually. Oh, no. um, it was called atrial fibrillation. So it's the most common irregular heart condition for people over 60. Right. Uh, so it's basically the top part of your heart, the electrics are all out of whack. So, so like it's firing at a different... Yeah, it's just sporadically firing. So mm-hmm. it's enough to keep your ventricles going and the pumping going, but mm-hmm. it just the ECG just looks like a crazy lines um it it's it can i think lead to strokes if it's left unchecked but mine was okay they defibrillated me and i went back into rhythm so right. it, it, it will go out at some point yeah uh but my heart structurally is okay it's just this this weird issue i had but that blocked me from getting in the army so uh i 
I figured my backup plan, which obviously didn't happen as well, was to apply for the police. And, and I figured that's along those lines of a job where I'm around people and I'm on my feet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I won't necessarily always be stuck behind a desk. So while I was doing that, uh, I had a mate say, oh, there's a job going in uh, a state MP's office in Bean Lee. Uh, you've always sort of been interested in that vaguely. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd gone to a couple of young LNP meetings when I was at uni and, and decided it wasn't really for me. I just thought it was um, not what I, I thought politics should be. It just seemed uh, a little bit... Um, the worst of what some of the older politicians do yeah uh the things that people really hate um that sort of hyper partisan um everything we do is right everything they do is wrong kind yeah. of thing um but that was years before that and and i ended up getting that job uh and then i applied that was only part-time so i applied for a job in Stu roberts office who mm-hmm. uh the appeal of it was uh his office was a few hundred meters from that beach house where my family used to holiday uh and uh they had a a unit down here too so i thought that's that's you know the part of the coast that i love and i could easily relocate there if i wanted to so uh i just applied on seek Mm -hmm. um in hindsight i was definitely not qualified (laughs) uh but uh his office manager who's a lovely lady called helen uh who's still there uh she liked me from the interview uh and gave me a go so from there, I moved down to the coast uh, and uh, I, I worked for Stu as his media and communications uh, advisor uh, mm-hmm. for all his local media. Uh, I started getting involved in not only the LNP, uh, the local Rotary, uh, Meals on Wheels as well. I got my second job when I got a mortgage at, at Labrador Tigers uh, mm-hmm. just to keep my hospitality work going and help pay that off. Yep. Uh, so I did that a couple of nights a week um and then uh i i sort of got lucky politics a lot of it is right place right time right person and the electoral commission every nine years they rejig all the boundaries on the electorates and they created the electorate of bonnie uh Mm. around where i lived and perfect yeah i thought what was it previously was it income it was split like probably two-thirds of it was southport and the other bit was broadwater yeah, that was well, the other electorate. As population grows, yeah, so they kind of had to. The Gold Coast needed another electorate because of our population, and they added four across the state. So the parliament can add extra electorates if it votes for it. So yeah. they voted to add four extra electorates. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of, they needed one on the Gold Coast. In hindsight, they probably should have chucked it up around Coomera. But right. they were kind of figuring because of the growth in yeah. The area. yeah yeah but they kind of did nail it as well because mine's like slightly above the average and you need a job yeah well <laughs> that that i was thankful for that too yeah. um but it, they they did nail like in terms of my electorate is smack on what the average population is per per those yeah. per electorate yeah. but coomera which is two electorates north is like oh how big is it it's the average is about 38,000. It's mm-hmm. up to 48,000. Wow. Yeah. And we got two years to go on this term. So yeah. Yeah. that's where we'll probably need another electorate. Or... So, so once that term's finished, they like during that term, sorry, you can't create a new electorate. Uh, there's trigger points. So if you get a certain number of seats over that, like a 10% of that, either way of the threshold, either 
10% too big or 10% too small, yep. then that triggers a redistribution or it's every nine years. Yeah. And so, did, you, did you say it was an independent party that does that distribution? Or? Yeah. So I think it's someone, it's the electoral commissioner. It might be like a magistrate and then someone appointed by the attorney general. But anyone can make submissions. They just have to, they've got like parameters around how they make an electorate. So mine made sense because I've got pretty good boundaries. So they try to keep generally with communities of interest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I've got the M1 and I think that's pretty fair to say not many people cross the M1 like east or west, you sort of segmented either side. Mm. Uh, Smith Street, same deal. You don't really interact because it's such a major sort of road you, you don't really have a lot of crossover and the gold coast highway at the top same sort of deal um they can use natural landmarks as well so bigger creeks my other part of the boundary mm-hmm. so that's how they define the areas they try to make it so it's like one defined community are voting in that yeah. particular way yeah so so that got made um I, I just happened to be the local branch chair of the lmp branch in the area and i had those community involvement and and i thought I could win that like i could i you have to the way the party works as well is uh and that's the other reason i'm there is because the lmp has a genuine grassroots selection process so every member of the party gets to vote on who they want as their candidate and that's from like sitting mp down so like peter dudden down Mm. the most senior guys in the party uh they they all are up for pre-selection at every election so uh, and obviously when it's a new seat, you don't have someone already in there. So it's probably the chance to try to get in, right? Like yeah. when yeah. you don't already have someone doing the job, yeah, uh, it can be a hard case to make to move that person on if they're in there doing the job. Because they're established. They'd have to be doing their job pretty badly. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's sort of how it was. The, it, the local party members, and to make sure that you can't just turn up and sign up like 20 people from your family, mm. you've got to be a member for a year. So you got to live in the area and be a member for the year, and then you and then you can vote on who you want to be your candidate. Yeah. So I ran against two other people, uh, and it's like a mini election. Like you get, uh, you nominate, then the party do what's called vetting. So they do like a background check on you to make sure you, there's nothing that'll like, <laughs> check, yeah, yeah. yeah, come out like front page of the Courier Mail kind of thing, <laughs> um, and to make sure that you're sort of, it's not like determining whether you'd be good or not. Yeah. It's just determining yeah. like whether you don't have any like. I don't know, big tax bills yeah, or you, you haven't got yeah. any other... Whether you're worth getting to the next yeah, stage. So yeah, yeah. Putting the effort into... And yeah. it's genuinely about the local members. So you then get, like, you get given a list of all those members who are eligible mm-hmm. to vote. Uh, and then you basically get, like, I think we had about three weeks to sort of put the case. So it's sort of sending emails out and making phone calls and going to meet up with them, having a cup of tea or having a mm-hmm. beer and getting to know, getting them to know you and... and uh, getting them to ask any questions and saying why you should be the person that they pick. And then you have a pre-selection, which is, uh, it was at the uh, Labrador Senior Citizen Center uh, on Marine Parade there. Um, So when I had some people ask, but you've only lived on the coast for three years, I could say, yeah, but I've had family connections like 300 meters away for seventy odd years. So like, have you met my grandma? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's uh it, it you then get seven minutes to make a speech and eight minutes where everyone answers the same questions. So right. people from the room can nominate what questions they want to ask and every candidate's got to answer the same questions. How does that and operate? Then they vote. In that eight minutes to answer the questions, 
if someone goes before you, it's like, oh shit. You're out the room. So you, you're oh, not okay, in the room no. for the speech or the questions. Of yeah. The other <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah. when you're doing like a, a speech at school or something and someone uses like your topic or your idea, it's like, ah, oh, like. Well, it, it turns into people who support that other candidate will set up questions that they think will make their opponent look oh, bad. Right. So that's why they yeah. would have had that question of, I think I even had, how old are you was one of the other questions. <laughs> really? No way. Yeah. It, it, I think it was how old are you and how long you've lived on the Gold Coast? Yeah. And I was just like 25 and three years. Yeah. Like, Cause that 25 is like substantially younger than a lot of guys. Like, is there anyone that started earlier than that? Uh, White Roy is, yeah. is the stand up. I think he was 19 when he was oh, wow. selected. Yeah, yeah. And that was for federal parliament too. Yeah. Still the youngest, I think still the youngest ever elected and the youngest minister. Yeah, right. Because he became a minister at like 25 or 26. Wow. Because that, yeah. that was like one of the main reasons that we wanted to get you on is obviously the, the lack of knowledge that young people have um, yeah. in regards to voting and just politics in general in Australia. And um, yeah, like seeing how young you got in, it's obviously means that young people can be interested and have some change and that sort of thing. So like, yeah, what, what was that like? obviously the stigma of being younger um i i think it definitely exists and it's it's an extra hurdle you've got to overcome uh i think some younger politicians or candidates go down the path of trying to seem older mm-hmm. uh i never really did i don't think i did that i just kind of embraced it and sort of just tried to exacerbate like i'm a young bloke i care about the area i'm Mm. involved in these things i work at the footy club uh i'm just having a go and and that was that was genuinely what the campaign was i uh i only won that that first so i became the candidate uh i left my job with Stu. Mm -hmm. i think that was about may 2017 we didn't know back then when the elections were they weren't fixed so we knew it would sort of be by the end of the year but it could have been at any time so Uh, I picked up some extra shifts at the footy club uh, and I was sort of working four or five nights a week there mm. and I just would campaign every day. So I'd just turn up to as many things as I could. I'd just walk, literally just walk around the streets of the area with flyers and knocking on people's doors and saying g'day. And um, it, it's, it was just sort of, um, I, I didn't feel like I had to prove anything. I just wanted to sort of just use it as an advantage of young, keen, a little different to what you've probably normally yeah. seen uh and i think it worked pretty well in that sense but i only won that election because i had a 10 percent swing to me in labrador right which is where i worked at the the footy yeah, club the yeah. <laughs> uh Must yeah have done a good job well, well yeah. i didn't give away too many free beers yeah. uh, but I, that that was the only reason i i, I got up at that yeah, election awesome. and i i won by i think if if about 400 people had voted differently i wouldn't have ever been an mp yeah right do you think because it was a new section and you being young it was a bit of like a new look i and i think it it kind of suits the area so the area's got griffith uni in it mm. yeah uh like we, a younger demographic yeah we got a lot of yeah. we got a lot of renters too i think i'm about 46 percent of my area's renters yeah i think on the demo last demographics i looked at we've got above average younger people and above average older people so right. it's <laughs> i think it sort of worked well with both of those demographics because yeah. the older people are kind of like Oh, he's you know like my grandson, <laughs> like you know, good on good on him for giving yeah, it a go. And yeah. the younger people are like, oh, he looks like me and he thinks like me. I think yeah. I think that sort of works to your advantage a bit. And I think particularly with social media, where you probably can know your politicians a lot better than you mm-hmm. have. Uh, and Facebook's still my go-to one because 
I, I'm scared to go on TikTok. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, Instagram's really selling down, you know, we're yeah, down here in Mermaid yeah, Beach, yeah. aren't we? Is we it, are we Mermaid or Miami here? Mermaid, mermaid yeah. Yeah, yeah so this is like Instagram territory <laughs> down here. Look, to be honest, like when we're looking at creating content and stuff for this, like I don't have tiktok and i have to get things explained by Corey or amy my partner just to not understand like the concept i still i have instagram and like i do enjoy that but like it's definitely a a trap that you can fall into yeah of, like, consuming more than you i, I like i like writing stuff so i like writing like captions that sort of explain things yeah I, I i think facebook's a good medium for that and i think people other than like you know 18 19 year olds mm-hmm. probably don't have it but I think most people still have it not to share things but to get news from mm. i think that's probably would that be about right you reckon yeah i i don't reckon i've shared anything on facebook in the last yeah, yeah. i don't think people really share things but i think they still flick yeah. through the news feed or yeah, see what's I'm come up a, on. i probably haven't yeah. had it in a little while now but yeah like it was this same thing of like yeah if i if i wasn't using it to to get rid of it sort of thing but, yeah. yeah do you think though Oh, not just social media but media in general is what's causing like a delusion of politics to younger generations I, 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 it's a it's a confusing thing because they both young people are the most passionate about some of these issues mm. uh, particularly things like climate change and housing mm. affordability but they don't see the political system as a way to engage with that and to solve those things and that's how you do need to do it so I don't, I don't know if it's the media feeding it i think it's just the system in general can seem difficult uh, i don't really know how you resolve that um but it is frustrating i mean this federal election campaign from either side is not really inspiring it's kind of yeah some can rip looks, on each other the most yeah <laughs> like and that well really that part's pathetic. fed by the media for sure yeah, yeah and that's because the traditional media nature is just gotchas and like little grabs mm. and they find but, a photo of you frowning yeah yeah <laughs> I've, had, like I've, I've, I've got a couple of those that <laughs> yeah. people have used but that's but that and we're kind of to blame for that too because negative campaigning works like mm. all political parties have worked from going negative right like at this election is mm. basically all the negatives on the prime minister like it's all from the from labor and and everyone else it's all anti-morrison it seems but it works yeah it seems like such a tough standard to live up to because like i was before this episode like i was trying to think of like pretty much any time someone's been in power it always gets them getting dragged down like how often you actually hear about oh he's actually done a really good job in this um period of being in charge and like as a little test for myself so is that booklet there Oh, well, Sam's got a booklet <laughs> called um, How Parliament Works. Really yep. helpful. And one of the things I saw in there was the breakup of the most recent budget. I think it was the 2021 yeah, budget. Yeah, the state and budget. So yeah. I looked at that. On how it's spent. So, there it is. So I was like, yeah, everyone always complains about how the money's getting spent. And then I looked at the actual items in there. And then I was like, how would I break it up? And then you go, all right, health, that's super important. Then you go, education, that's super important. But then you see you see how many important things are in this pie chart and you're yeah. like yeah to be able to and make 52 percent of that well. comes from the federal government um what was that sorry so because of 80 percent of our tax money goes to the federal government mm-hmm. so about 52 percent of that state budget comes from the federal government directly right yeah right so that's the sort of imbalance where uh and on most issues the federal government 
can't really fix them. Like they don't run hospitals, they don't run schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't run our power stations, which are the coal-fired generators, which are contributing to our carbon emissions more than anything. So most of the actual things that we care about are run by the state government, but they're mostly funded by the federal government. It's a it's a funny system, and that's when things go wrong. The state government will then particularly the federal government's a different political party to them, they'll blame the federal government for yeah. that. So uh, so in this case, being a federal election, what does the federal government cover? Like, what are the items that people are actually voting on on Saturday? <laughs> That's a really hard question because, I mean, there's nothing that people care about more than something local. Yeah. So uh, Stuart Robert today, I saw, has just made a, a pretty major financial commitment to a PCYC mm-hmm. in Pimpama that would obviously need to be rolled out with the support of PCYC Queensland and the state government. Uh, but as the federal government, they can pretty much commit money to anything. Right. Uh, but they need the state government to actually spend that money. Yep. So, I mean, it'll be everything from uh, local commitments, uh, federal labor to get some balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've committed money to Labrador Tigers, uh, yep. which are, is pretty much the same commitment I made at the state level to them uh, to do a much needed upgrade of the, the change rooms there. Yep. and. Uh, help them realize their vision so you'll see a mix of those sort of local projects but the big role of the federal government is the economy uh, national security um, bigger picture management things you've seen some schemes they've that both sides have brought in for first home buyers yeah uh, federal coalition with the scheme to access a chunk of your super uh, the other scheme trying to get people to downsize by giving them an incentive to to sell their home and they get some more money to go back into their super mm-hmm. uh, for older people. Um, I think they've got 50,000 places on uh, the other scheme that the federal government's got where they help underwrite it uh, and you can basically get a house with a 5% deposit. Um, there's those bigger picture things as well that the federal government's responsible for. But I don't know, no one's really got a magic ball on like what people are voting on, but yeah. a, lot of, a lot of it could be vibe about I mean, Labor's clearly trying to make this election about what you think of the Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's obviously had arguably the most intense three years that any Prime Minister has ever had in Australian history. And he's sort of done like a decade worth of Prime Ministering in three years. Yeah. Um, and multiple crises that he's had to deal with and um, making it... I guess people now think the federal government can solve everything and... and uh, resolve every issue that and that's put a lot of pressure on them uh when things aren't resolved easily yeah um yeah wages is another big one that's come up obviously and inflation and it's it's a mix of things really Mm, mm, Um, broad topic broad question yeah but it's it's hard to know whether people are voting on you know they might really like their local mp but they don't really like the leader of the party Mm -hmm. um it's it's hard to predict what people are going to be voting on with something being such a big issue of like climate change and especially for our generation to be sort of looking forward to the future and that um when a lot of people assume like voting greens is going to benefit that but can we touch on like preferential voting because i think that's something that would probably be beneficial for people to learn about so it's it's sort of coming a bit different this year because generally whichever one of Labour or Liberal that you put above the other, mm-hmm. the vote is going to go to that party. So if you number like... So you have to do a thing called compulsory preferential voting. So you have to number every box on your ballot. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're one of the very few countries in the world. I think it's about 14 countries in the world that do compulsory voting. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I, I do because yeah. it means that you don't just get the crazies voting. So in the US and the UK, yeah. you get like the fringe right and the fringe left. Yeah. In Australia, because you get 90% or so of people voting who are eligible, you will basically always have governments and candidates that need to appeal to normal people, right? To yeah. that middle Australia. Uh, and that's a good thing because that means your government is going to be reflective of what most people think. Um, but it, it means the compuls... And, and I don't really... I don't agree with compulsory preferential because I think you shouldn't have to put a preference if you don't want to. It should mm. be optional preferential. And that's what it used to be at a state level. So that um, so that would mean like you vote... If you just want to vote one because yeah. that's the only person that you want, you should be allowed to do that. Yeah. You shouldn't have to number every box if you don't want to. Yeah. But the law is compulsory preferential. And it means the thinking behind it is that the person who gets elected is going to be the most representative of what the people in that area want. Mm. So if they really had to pick someone then that person will be the most representative. So even if you put LNP 5 and Labor 6, that vote is going to go to the LNP eventually. Yeah. Mostly. But independents are kind of threatening that because there's a real potential that independents could win some seats at this election. More than the current because they have three with catters. Uh, well, that's state parliament. Right. Federally... Uh, there's Mayo, but she's technically a party, I think. Indi, uh, Andrew Wilkie in Tasmania. There's not many. Right. It, it's hard to win as an independent. Um, but that's a, a real option. The Greens also could be an option. I know they're, they're thinking they're positive in uh, the seat that's the south side of Brisbane called Griffith. Yep. Uh, so that that's where preferences are really important. So the general rule that whichever major party you put above the other one is going to get your vote isn't always working but it means that it's really important to number where things are so you could put green one lmp2 and obviously think everyone should put lmp1 but uh (laughs) you could put green one lmp2 and that vote's gonna probably go to the lmp yeah um and I, i think people do think about this um but the reason you get given a bit of paper at the polling booth is so that you do a formal vote so about five percent of votes don't count because it's someone who doesn't number every box or who only numbers so they're one. just completely white. chuck them out and, and so say there's eight candidates so that's why the parties give you a bit of paper so most people just follow what's on the bit of paper right that's mm-hmm. how that works so it's like an example of yeah and it makes you uh follow it so and a lot of people do religiously follow that yeah um, just because they quickly go in want to get in and out yeah just, yep, yep, yep. exactly but the reality is um I actually, I actually don't follow it, uh, even though I hand them out and ask people to follow it that way. <laughs> I, I do it based on well, and general actually, and my how to vote card does generally reflect that because it's it's a bit symbolic. But uh, you, you would probably like to put like one nation towards the bottom and Clive Palmer towards the bottom, uh, or or the Greens towards the bottom because they ideologically, from my perspective, are not good right. for the country. Um, but that's your point. They they probably aren't going to win. They've only got one lower house seat out of 151 federally, mm-hmm. uh, and then maybe they might have a chance in one or two. And even then, they're never going to be the government. Yeah. So their policies, which are pretty contradictory, like uh, one was to build a million homes, and yet the Greens are generally against a lot of development. Yeah. Uh, in re- and- in regards to that voting, so say for some re- like 
someone decided they want to put one, two, three for those three parties, yeah, do that voting. Uh, sorry, those votes. If they had LNP or Labor to follow that, it sort of gets negated because those parties following are bigger. Yeah, kind of. So they'll basically when they're counting the votes, they'll split it into piles of error. So if you got six candidates they'll split it into six piles of who put number one for each one. Mm-hmm. So you get all the votes that are number one Labor, all the votes that are number one LNP, all the votes that are number one Green. Then they'll go, okay, who got the least votes? And they'll pick up that pile and they'll go, okay, uh, let's pick... Uh, so who'd they put two? Okay, that vote, whoever they put two will then go on that pile. Mm. Uh, and then they look at, okay, who's last? Uh, who's next? The next smallest number of votes. And they'll go, okay, who'd they put uh, three? Then they'll distribute those amongst whoever's remaining until you end up with two candidates that's what's called a two candidate preferred or a two party preferred mm. and it's basically splitting it so that all the votes that put uh, generally it's Labor Liberal but all the votes that it could be LNP Green all the votes that put LNP above Green are on one side and all the votes that put Green above LNP are on the other mm. and that'll be like 60% one way 20% the other or 40% the other sorry um, uh, but it's that that's where it can be tight so the seat griffith uh i think we normally get like a low 40 percent of the vote uh and labor get a low 30 or sometimes high 20s mm-hmm. and they win the seat right what do you mean because the preferences happen. put them over us oh, in the end gotcha, gotcha. so yeah, yeah. uh what's a good example gavin uh mm-hmm. in 2017 i think we got 46 percent of the vote mm-hmm. Labor got 43% of the vote and the Greens got the remaining whatever that the ma- I can't do the math but whatever the math yeah, is yeah, 11 or something. when the Green vote had been distributed between the two Labor beat us yeah, by right. like 100 votes or something or 200 votes right, right. yeah so that's how even if you get the most vote you can lose on primary mm-hmm. that's where the two party pref- or the um, compulsory preferential can shift the outcome pretty substantially so yeah it does kind of show to actually put people in order where you want to especially the senate so it's more relevant yeah. in the senate uh and obviously queensland's the only state without a senate but it's more relevant in the senate um because that's where there's a, a pretty major contest on on where those positions go and who gets those positions is this a bit more of a deep dive than you were thinking on no on no voting it's, it's and- good we we like it like i think addressing any issues or any questions that we have like obviously a lot of people are going to have um other questions as well but like you said before, if you if you're willing to come it, back, it's uh have we a chat. we have got a very unique way of voting. We uh and it's sort of, I think it came about because we we weren't really born out of bloodshed and conflict like other countries were. Mm. We were sort of administratively born like Queensland. You know, we're called Queensland because we're named after Queen yeah, Victoria, yeah. and Victoria was already taken, and it was just like signing a thing <laughs> that said, Victoria. "This is <laughs> yeah. this is a state now," yeah, and you have a parliament, and there do you, you go. Do you feel because obviously it's it's built from a democratic system, but like it, it's kind of strange because it we create a lot of these things though. So the the booth that you go in to vote in, yeah, was an Australian invention. Really? Yeah, the secret ballot was something that we we didn't invent it, but the Australian ballot, the way that we vote, was what it was called. It, it's genuinely the best so system they, in the world. How are they? Are they counted up, like in person, or are they run through a machine? Or no, something? in person. So really, and generally, it particularly for close elections, you have a scrutineer that will watch the counting. Because mm. my my first election, twenty seventeen, I lost on the night. 
So Labor got more votes than me on the night. It was only when they counted the pre-poll votes and the postal votes that I got ahead. Oh, really? So of my yeah. seven polling booths in Bonnie on, in 2017, I lost five of them to Labor. Yeah. And then I won the pre-poll and the postals. And pre-poll being when? Early voting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, um, it's a, it, and that, that means like you are watching every single vote because sometimes it's human error, right? Sometimes they will get things mm. wrong mm. and you can have scrutineers from either party watching to go, I'm going to challenge that one or I don't think you got that one right. That should have gone on this pile or particularly when they count the preferences. Mm. It really can add up. Do you think like in, in regards to a system that seems potentially flawed like do you think that i guess tradition comes in the way of it because like even reading through that that booklet like seeing how you guys operate and this is in a different form of it this is in parliament for queensland correct? yeah 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 so they even have the mace like pointing towards the correct side these are all the little things that i like found it's so it's a workplace that basically hasn't changed that building was finished in 1868 and it it hasn't changed a massive amount I mean, there's obvious, obvious modernizations that have yeah. been there, but a lot of the way that the parliament actually operates is how it always has been. And that's kind of what makes it so special. It's it's such a a foundational institution of who we are and about how our state has has been created and about, I guess, the, the say that we have in the people who represent us and our governments and uh, our democracy. And, and that's what makes it special. But uh, I guess that's the the problem is you have people particularly young people disillusioned with politics but i actually think we've got one of the best systems in the world mm. and we don't really we, we we need to be a bit better at explaining it and uh engaging people in it mm. and uh not letting them down so that they feel that it is as special as it is i think the frustration that people have is is understandable because it's it's whether it's unmet expectations and all that sort of stuff but for me personally, I feel like if someone doesn't go and vote, they almost like negate their right to be frustrated by it. And that, that's me personally. But like, yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I think we are lucky, like you said, to be in a country where you get to vote. It's not that you have to vote. It's it's the fact that you get to have a no, say. You have to, technically, you have to. Yeah. I think it's like a $20 <laughs> yeah, sorry, fine poor, if you don't. But <laughs> poor choice. You technically words. have to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you, you perfectly legal for you to go into the polling booth and to mark your name off and to... Uh, draw a, a giant um, piece of male anatomy on the ballot <laughs> paper. Like you, that's you could you could just you could put an empty ballot into yeah. that box. That's perfectly legal to do. Yeah, you I, just have to turn up and, and mark your name off. And yeah, I think though if you're going down there, like you make, might as well. Make your, yeah, make your time worth. Yeah, if they made it, um, what's that? Oh, like the national data gather that we do every few years. Oh, the census. Yeah, the census. Couldn't think of it. Um, <laughs> do you reckon if they made it something like that? You can do online. I mean, it's better. it's pretty easy to vote. Like, you can get a postal vote delivered to your house, and mm. you just got to get back into a mailbox. You've now got two weeks of early voting. It's. Sure. I don't think it's much to ask people to, to turn up. This is also talking to the generation that's designed food that comes to your door. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> I, but it's it's sort of you, you kind of want it to be a little bit special, a little bit yeah. different, and and it's really important. Uh, like. You don't want it to be like on a whim, like uh, the reason that we elect people in our whole system that we elect someone to be our representative is that it's not really direct democracy and that you're not, you know, like obviously it's our job to survey people and mm. to get a vibe about what they think on certain issues. Uh, and the, the major example of this was the same-sex marriage plebiscite uh, a couple of years ago, um, which 
was a non-binding plebiscite, but people still voluntarily chose to respond in overwhelming numbers with uh, an overwhelming result. Mm. Um, but it, it's your job to pick that person for a set term and then they make those decisions in that term. Uh, it's it's not really leadership to do a little popularity contest mm-hmm. every now and then and to change things on a whim because that would not lead to good government, I don't think. What What's it like? Did you refer to it as polling when you're giving out your flyers and all that sort of stuff? Uh, I guess like, I, I don't know. It, it depend, it, it's sort of campaigning, campaigning, I guess. Well, when you're campaigning, like, is it tough? Because I know, like, whenever you've gone into the shops and that, so you know that person that's always trying to sell you something. And it's kind of like that, yeah. That's how I feel sometimes. Like, <laughs> I, I personally feel like I want to rock up, vote how I want to do it. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, like. Uh, I, don't I, know. I think I, a lot of politicians do those things to tick a box to say, I've been to wherever. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've yeah. I've, I've what, done my engagement in. What's your so What's your kind of approach or your strategy? I through? I just try to turn up to as much as possible, mm. and just be there i i i'll set up it i I don't just do something for the sake of it Mm. like a lot of politicians i find just do mobile offices they call them just to like go yeah tick box and i think there is value in those but not when that's your only engagement i think it's Mm. much more powerful to just go along to an event and not just sit up the front and Mm. you know be the the official person there at the front just to i don't know get on a barbie or pour some beers or just (laughs) hang out and talk to people i think that's much more valuable instead of just like uh, I think it makes you a little bit inaccessible if you're like in normal politician mode. People mm. sort of, they'll avoid you if they can. Yeah. You just got to go to people. It's all proactive. Yeah, yeah. Because they uh, they will try generally avoid politicians as much as possible. Is it hard with, because like other than, uh, I can't even think of a job that has the same stigma and like, I guess uh, car salesman, yeah. lawyer. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> lawyer. A few. Um, yeah, what, what's it like though going into a role like that where a large portion of the population can be frustrated with you and your decisions like it's because day to day we we sort of finish up and and that's it for the day and we don't really have our face everywhere or our name everywhere yeah. And like well, yeah what's it like um it's a bit strange it, it is a learning thing and it's as it's what you make of it like i've chosen to drive a, a ute that has my face on it <laughs> yeah. uh i've chosen to um I don't know. All the things that I do is something that I've chosen to do. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's it. That's that's the job, and it's slightly easier on me because I'm a parliamentarian. I'm not a member of the government, so it's sort of um, you. It's your job to advocate and to listen, uh, but you can't. You don't actually have the power to click your fingers and fix something, mm. which is frustrating because. And I don't think anyone has that sort of ability, even if you were in government, but it's trying to learn that art of advocacy and of trying to um, go in a bat for people. Uh, that that can be really difficult. Mm. Um, and, and that's one of the big realizations is that things don't just happen quickly. It's It's got to take making a case and bringing people together and um, doing your homework on it and, and pushing things. And um, that's how you, that's how you create change and make a difference. And that, that can be, difficult for people because sometimes they just want stuff resolved like that mm. which is why i guess council issues can be uh, pretty easy for people because they can get resolved pretty quickly most of the time but um and that goes back to what do people care about it's often the most local issues i think one of the biggest ones that frustrates people more than anything that i've seen is like two hour parking zones or like <laughs> uh like the council telling you who can and can't park in front of your house mm. and for how long or 
like zoning issues or like rubbish in a local park or something that that's There's the sort small, of stuff consistent yeah that can be the things yeah. that people care about more than anything else yeah yeah causes like obviously you just um spoke about trying to get involved with causes in the community and stuff and um one of the massive ones that of that's close to heart is um jack beasley foundation did you want to elaborate on that yeah it's uh it's particularly close to my heart this week because uh i've spent a couple of days at court with his family and his friends because his murder trial has come up uh and if if anyone didn't know jack was a a 17 year old from parkwood who um and we we found out the full story in court this week uh and and they've had all the footage um but him and his mates had basically gone out it was the 13th of december 2019 they were going to a party in surfers they got the tram in uh there was a group of five young men from the logan area who'd also come in uh, a little earlier and was sort of hanging out on the esplanade having a barbecue uh they were 15 to 17 i think uh they had a knife with them there's been some witnesses in court who have given evidence to say they were they were looking for a fight um they were looking for trouble uh jack and his mates had sort of been in that this is right in the middle of the surface like right near the cabal tram stop the the group of boys from logan were sitting sort of on that garden bed near hard rock mm-hmm. and jack and his mates were sort of over in front of the ice cream shop um and then they sort of had looked at each other the two groups um sizing each other up maybe uh some of jack's mates were sort of like stop staring um but they uh jack and his mates ended up walking south down towards the iga and I think they were going to an apartment at the Wyndham. Uh, and then the boys from Logan, you can see on the footage, uh, which has all been in court this week, so I can't talk about it. They um, they started briskly walking, if not running, towards Jack and his mates, uh, with some people saying that they, uh, some of the witnesses have said they were looking for, for a fight. Um, I think the term was to lick them or something, where they, I'd never heard it before, but it's something about trying to, roll people to uh to take drugs or take any items they had off them i I guess but they sort of ran through the middle of jack's group and turned around and one of them had pushed jack jack had flicked it he was smoking a ciggy and he flicked it back in his direction and then uh sort of put his fists up because the guy was looking like he was gonna try to take him on and then uh, a fight kicked off and the thing that shocked me from from seeing it this week is it it was literally like 20 to 30 seconds mm. and in the fight one of them or they have pulled out the knife uh they've stabbed jack's best mate in the chest and the back thankfully he survived but but tragically jack was killed uh, uh stabbed basically up through the heart mm. um and yeah that was that was tough yesterday watching his his friends um relive that and and the bravery they showed to come to court and to to go through something even two and a half years later uh, that was obviously the most traumatic night of their life to lose their mate like that um in front of the iga this is quarter past eight at night by the way wow middle like start of school holidays mm-hmm. um in in the middle of the the tourist capital of australia um and so two of the five uh one was 15 at the time he's pled guilty to murder another's pled guilty to manslaughter and the other three are on trial for manslaughter and obviously grievous bodily harm against jack's mate 
Mm. Um, but not long after that happened, Jack's dad, so my local pub's the Arundel Tavern, uh, and uh, through a few things, Rotary, the uh, the publican there, uh, she's just finished up there, but her name's Deb, and she she's amazing. She like just the the pillar of that community, just involved in every possible thing that goes through there, and had it all sort of centered around the pub and Jack's dad drinks at that pub and uh, within a couple of weeks of it, I think it was early early January 2020 so not long after Jack was Jack was buried on the I think 19th of December or, or around that 20th of December and within two weeks or a week and a bit his dad had, had got in touch with Deb and said I want to do something about this so she organised a meeting at the pub uh, with with him and me and some other of their friends uh real focus around the Hornets footy club mm -hmm. at Helensville there where Jack had played since he was a kid. Uh, and we basically, it started with a petition uh, about getting um, metal detectors at the Helensville train station because the boys from Logan had brought the knife down on the train and then on the tram. Mm. Uh, and then it, it sort of turned into the Jack Beasley Foundation uh, and with the motto of, of detect knives, save lives. So... Um, it was coincidental that I also had, we had a new uh, top police officer on the Gold Coast and I met him at an event uh, in Arundel around that same time and I raised the story with him and told him about that and, and asked if he'd get in touch with the family and, and he had a daughter around the same age as Jack, uh, I think exactly the same age, so it really resonated with him. Uh, his name's Mark Wheeler, he's, he's left the coast now, but he was amazing with the family. He he got in touch with them and and still keeps in touch with them and the the bloke who took over from from him reese wildman is the he's he's finishing up as the top cop again but he mm. he's been a mate he was in court the last couple of days with us as well um which he didn't have to do that that's a huge thing for him to do as the the top police officer on the gold coast but from there it sort of uh progressed to creating a, a movement to try to do something about this and uh we realized we needed not only change to the laws uh, and the things that the police could do but also an education campaign so the police were amazing with with how they helped um so jack's parents are brett and belinda and and they they've sort of built this program up where they'll go into a school and basically talk to kids about the consequences of taking a knife out and mm -hmm. about their story they've, they've shot some amazing sort of documentary style videos on it uh and and they're just trying to get that message out that you might think you need to take a knife to feel safe but it actually makes you more unsafe mm. and it can have pretty serious consequences. Uh, and the other side of it was we managed to get uh, laws through parliament, um, which set up a trial to give police the power to wand someone with a, a little metal detector wand without cause. So they normally need to have a reason to do that. Uh, so this lets them basically go up to anyone on the street and to, to perform a wand, a wanding operation on them. And I think they've wanded close to 12,000 people in the last 12 months. Yeah, right. The laws were very specific because it's obviously a pretty big breach of your rights, uh, but they, they let them do it in the Surface Paradise and Broad Beach State Night Precincts, which is only about you know four or five streets together. Um, in the last 12 months, they've wandered nearly 12,000 people, haven't had a single complaint towards police about how they've conducted themselves. Uh, the median age of people they've wandered has been 19. They've picked up... 133 weapons from that wow. that's just wow. just nice. in those two areas they picked up 133 weapons and that's everything from knuckle dusters knives i think replica guns 
Tomahawk, I think, was one of them, Boy. just in those two areas. And um, funnily enough, when police can search you without cause, they tend to find a lot of other things you probably shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, so they've found 467 offences in total, which is a lot of drug offences yeah, as right. well, and some other DVO breaches and breach of bail and that sort of thing. So, yep. yeah, as a direct result of that that family and that community stepping up, uh, particularly the the mates of Brett and Belinda and the people around the footy club, uh, mm. including the president, Wayne, mm. uh, and and Jack's mates as well. Um, it, it has led to these laws, which hopefully we can make permanent, which which have taken over 130 weapons off the street. Mm. It's amazing. And yeah, that, that's been one of the toughest things, I think. I, I went up there for a couple of days to support Brett and Belinda. Um, and I, I've never been to court before. It's, it's unless you've been... I don't know around it or or had something happen that means you have to go there it's a bit of a it's like another world but mm. that's that's been um pretty tough to to be there but um it's nothing to compare to what they're going through and and they're just hopeful that they get the outcome we're looking for and and that, that there's some justice for them yeah as bad as the situation is and, and it's obviously tough for family and stuff that to see people like Wayne, um, who who's actually my old president, like we used to play at Helen's no way. and stuff, yeah, growing up. So Before you converted to the better type yeah, of footy. <laughs> yeah, well, I was always a league growing up, but yeah, to to see people rally around something and create a good cause from something. It's amazing. So unfortunate, it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. And like, yeah, it, it must be nice for them as well to see someone like yourself campaigning behind and just, yeah, sort of making a difference as well. But yeah. Oh, um, they're, they're, they're really special people and... It, it's a really good community to get that message out in because um, it, it's about those at-risk young people that that think that this is this is something they need to do to feel safe and mm. yeah hopefully we can we can continue it but full credit to them that they, they've all been just incredible and uh, there's a lot more work to do in that space yeah how can people get around it oh look up jack beasley foundation yeah uh they have pretty regular events so uh, it's sort of becoming every year we'll have a trivia night and uh, we just had a sportsman's lunch last Friday they have a ride for Jack because uh, his dad Brett is a, uh, a bike is probably the wrong term but he, he rides a motorcycle and, yeah, yeah, motorcycle enthusiast yeah, yeah. Uh, so they do a ride sort of round up back to um, the um, I think Jim Boomer and Bo Desert yeah. and out that way and then back to the club or back to the pub um, there, there's always events like that but any awareness that people can raise and We'll also um, we'll throw a link on on for the episode notes as well. So if you want to have a look and yeah. have a read up about it as well, um, yeah, it was definitely a good cause to get behind. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing people, and, and a genuine Gold Coast issue that we need to we need to tackle, and that that not only can lead to these tragic consequences, but hurts the reputation of our city. Do you, mm-hmm. do you feel obviously being based in Bonnie? Do you feel strongly as well about Gold Coast? Like, is it? because it's part of it like it, it sort of falls into that side where yeah you're... it's it's clearly an issue we've had and and Jax is not the only uh tragic case it, it's i think one of the only ones that's led to someone's death but yeah. we've had a bunch of other stabbings a couple of train stations a couple more in that surface area mm. um it, it's a genuine issue i think there's there's just a cohort of young people who think it's okay to do that mm. and who think it's it's something they need to do uh and and i think you got to start it in your own community and the Gold Coast is where, where this will start and hopefully we can expand it to other areas as well, particularly those laws, uh, if we can figure out what the best definition of a hotspot is. So uh, it's sort of based on a model in the UK where if you get 
a certain number of incidents in a certain area, the police can have these extra powers for a certain amount of time. Mm. So I think that's the the right model going forward. And and uh, if you have another area across the state that that happens in, then you can declare it a hotspot, or you can say that the you police will have these expanded strategy. search powers, and you can hopefully stamp it out. It, already, we've seen down here. I I haven't looked at the data, but anecdotally, just because I catch the tram pretty regularly you do see a lot more young people hanging out in front of that Telstra building in Southport. I, I would think that they may be moved out of surfers because they know that the police have this extra ability and that mm. uh, there's a, an extra focus on that in that area. So I, I suspect they've moved out of there because of this. Mm. And that's not really what you want, which is why the education campaign and, and that program is so important to sort of raise awareness of uh, the police. The police is called live your life without a knife, the police campaign. Yep. So. But I, I guess, like you're saying, it's it's kind of addressing the issue at the source, like and actually supplying these people with knowledge of why they shouldn't be doing it or yeah. like what it can lead to. And the stuff. consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Because like, yeah, if you, I think if someone's doing it, and it wouldn't change the fact that someone else might be as well. So it's not really keeping yourself safe. It's just creating more more yeah, danger. Really. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. On our podcast the montana project we love to be a bit self-deprecating so we we did have a question for you in regards to um do you recall any errors um that you've made but or like a favorite failure that you've that you've grown grown from it doesn't have to be politics no nah. <laughs> i mean i've already, we, we, we are all ears to I've, hear you rip on yourself i've embarrassingly admitted to my adult lego before <laughs> which is the thing um I've also admitted to how bad of a uni student I was. <laughs> I, I do wish I'd, I'd spent more time. I, I picked up on what I needed to from uni, particularly my science degree. Uh, a while later, I realized it really taught me how to think yeah. uh, and critically analyze things and just skills that you don't realize you're picking up at the time. But I wish I had focused a bit more and, and put a bit more effort in back then and made the most of that opportunity, uh, especially because... Uh, I'm the first in my family to go to uni. My mum and dad didn't go and uh, they made a lot of sacrifices, I think, for me to get there and to have that opportunity Mm -hmm. Uh, for my dad leaving school at year 10 and being a fitter and turner and then joining the Air Force. I wish I'd I'd made the most of that opportunity uh, and I don't think I did. So it's a bit bit sad, that one, not not too (laughs) self-deprecating, but I I just wish I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd put a bit more effort in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's fair enough. Look, I think any error in the past, though, is the fact you get to reflect on it and get better from it now. So Yeah, I don't know if there's any others. I, my, my first campaign photo, I remember people said my eyes looked a bit weird, old snake eyes. <laughs> Did you have your glasses off? No, I, well, I don't really have my glasses in my photo. I probably yeah. should. They make me look smarter, don't they? But, <laughs> yeah. uh, what about in, in Parliament? Because obviously public speaking is an issue for a lot of people just addressing that at a bare minimum but then when you're talking in front of like people i, that, I had that, barely spoken publicly until i got elected oh, really? like <laughs> like my pre-selection and like the first time i, I vividly because I, I wasn't a school leader or anything i wasn't like school captain or anything uh one of the first times i spoke publicly i remember we had a it was a couple of years before i i ran for parliament but I was running for like chair of the local branch of the LNP and I was running against the person who'd been there for a while. And it, it, it was a two minute speech and I was so nervous. Had and your palm cards? Did you drop, I, drop No, like I had it written out. Yeah, like, cause it was like a whole pitch I was making, but- Drop it on the floor. Like I was so nervous making that. And 
and uh, I, I won by two votes um, <laughs> but like I, I you don't get many opportunities until you you're sort of in there it's not the deep, especially hey? like 25 and you know working for an MP and working in a pub you don't yeah. really it's not something that you sort of um, so I, I've got I don't know if I, I where I want to be I mean Stu I think is the best public speaker I've seen he, he just like is an animal like <laughs> he just commands a room yeah. and well, just well he from his background like uh, he'd yeah like confidence. he he was school captain army officer CEO MP yeah so like he's always been the yeah. like pretty up there with every yeah, yeah. every single thing he's done in his life he's always had one of those like top positions um but yeah I, I had barely done it till I, and I was so nervous doing my first speech in parliament mm. I, I'm I'm even embarrassed now to play back some of my speeches because <laughs> I don't hear how I've gone but I probably should do that at some point and just listen to how adorably nervous I was in my Mate, first in, speech in preparation for the episode like I was going through seeing what I could find on YouTube and that sort of thing and, and prior to that I don't recall hearing you speak and I was like oh man he's got a good voice for podcasting <laughs> really? Like, I was like no honestly I was excited to get you on because you're yeah I just, the deep sultry tones yes it's nice it's quite good talking to this it's microphone a bit of, yeah, yeah. It's nice to hear yourself bit of Lego ASMR <laughs> <laughs> yeah i it, it's it's a it's a learnt thing for sure and it's just doing it you just feel more comfortable the more you do it i still am not entirely comfortable especially when you hear some people and you just go how did you get that off the top of your head or mm. how have you not had notes for that like you must have rehearsed that so many times is there anyone in parliament that every time they jump up because like oh i have to say the boss like so dc <laughs> david christopher the opposition leader he he's a really good speaker he yeah. just he he really goes particularly without notes he's yeah. very very good uh, our deputy leader Jared Blay uh, if I'd recommend looking up some of his speeches in parliament he's he's got a bit more of the showmanship <laughs> um, he uh, he 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 can just go I, it's not really my style I, I, I try to spend it's actually uh, another MP John Paul Langbrook uh, the MP the for Service Paradise JP yep uh, he he said to me early on, keep your brand premium. And he was talking about uh, the contributions you make. He said, the, the only thing that matters is it's going to be enhanced up one day, those red books there in the book mm-hmm. you've got open. And you want, it, you want to look back and you want to be able to go, I didn't just get up and say whatever was on my mind or I didn't just like make a contribution for the sake of it. I, I made a genuine speech that genuinely added to the debate or or the discussion on whatever the thing was. Mm. Uh, and and in his parliamentary contributions, he does that really well. If you Google John Paul Langbrook, you'll realize that maybe some of his social media comments <laughs> could have uh, be, been kept in the premium brand. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I won't go into that. He's a good friend of mine. But, um, <laughs> but it, it's it's something that, that I keep in mind when, I, when I'm making those contributions. I always try to be factual and to contribute to the debate and to have a speech that I can not only show someone else, but I can I can easily play to my constituents and say, here's what I contributed on your behalf yeah. to that whatever was in Parliament, or here's what issue I used Parliament to raise. And essentially being a part of a team, really, as well, like you're, you're playing your part. I um, I read a cool book a while ago now. It was about this um, astronaut. I can't remember what his name is, but he pretty much referred to that you can be, you can be a plus one, a minus one, or a zero. And he's like, aim to be a zero. He's like, a zero 
doesn't try to be more than what they are for that for that aspect of play their role yeah yeah Yeah. and playing their role because like if you if you try too hard you end up being in that negative one category anyway but like like you're saying if you get up and you deliver a speech and it doesn't have to blow the roof off like and you can just address the things that are important and just be like precise with it as well but yeah that's cool i think i i feel like if i had the chance i'd want to be very well prepared like going off the top and just running around with a mic it wouldn't be my style (laughs) yeah you find a lot of people though when they're not prepared for something they just ramble on non-stop just oh and there's a part of politics that 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 there's a space for that and it's that theatrics of an argument and a debate it can really like because that room right like that's the same room those debates have been going on since 1868 Mm. and it's built you know 40 50 years before microphones were invented so it does echo and there is like uh, like a vibe or electricity or something in there that when someone is doing a solid speech and the other side are yelling at you and <laughs> so like they, getting really they, fired up. Are they allowed to? Because that's what I was just reading through. Technically, no. But yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you, it's only if the speaker pulls you up. So if it's re- like you can yell out a comment or two generally to try to put them off. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the theater <laughs> of it. Yeah. Um, so you you know it'll be uh i i regularly heckle the minister for transport on issues that i don't think he's done very can, well can so. you give us a can you give us an example of what you'd sort of oh <laughs> you, you, it's it's in the record when they take if they respond to what you say it makes it into the transcript so that's called taking the interjection so if uh if they if they ignore it then even if you say i'm not taking the interjection that's technically taking the interjection so if you ignore what the other side's saying, it can be used quite hilariously to respond to someone mm-hmm. if you shoot them down or if you want to take it because you think it adds to your case. But mm-hmm. generally, you just ignore it and keep going and it won't go anywhere. It's just you can hear it. That's, you, you just got to charge through. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll generally just heckle him about not having the contract sorted for light rail three or <laughs> where's the Coomera connector or the second M one or something. Or, uh, Sounds like fun. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's interesting to watch. Um, and it's kind of the problem with it as well. Question time is a bit of a farce mm-hmm. because half of the questions are the government asking questions of themselves. Uh, so obviously it's like, can you tell me how good we are doing at this? And then our questions, it's frustrating because they sort of are framed up around the media and that that's just how it works right like you get a couple of questions in on the news that night and that'll be the whole day of parliament but parliament actually runs 9 30 in the morning till 7 30 at night Big day. but that's the nature of it right like people are looking for that exciting moment it's it's like a you know it's like a highlights reel of a footy game a like, clipping of yeah the, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna play to... someone who's got a pretty decent goal like one, that's how the media frame it up one of the um interesting things that i found in there was it was it like you get four minutes to get back once they it's like the lunch bell yeah ring. it's like they, they got rid of that with covid but i hope it comes back but you get four minutes to get in the chamber when a vote's called yeah and obviously it doesn't really matter in the current parliament because every vote we're going to lose but you use the vote to either like show what you think about something is that because we're in a labor state you're saying yeah like, so yeah. so labor's got it's just the, the numbers in the parliament so mm-hmm. labor's got i think 51 yeah, seats like half that they will always game. win every single vote in parliament mm-hmm. we've got 34 we're not you need 47 to control the parliament so yeah. it's only when it's a hung parliament so in queensland we have one 2015 to 17 that's where the 
parties in the middle can flip and that can change things is that like if each had like 43 and then there's a couple of yeah like that it's actually how parliament used to operate the the whole reason we have a two-party system is for stability Mm. up until even our first if you look at the first 10 years of federation of australia you regularly had governments flip because you didn't have two major parties you actually had three groupings Mm. and they would flip between each other and you could have a government that would last like seven days and then someone else would get it 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 happened in queensland as well you didn't have defined parties but we it sort of happened because labor started to get big and to uh take a lot of the vote and then the other parties sort of cobbled together as an anti-labor party Mm. uh Mm. and then that made the the sort of two-party system which is sort of unusual internationally but it's the way our voting system with the preferences that we went into great detail of before hopefully mm. some mm. people made it through that part of the podcast if they didn't as well just get this booklet because like <laughs> it, it's it's small enough that it's quick reading but it helps so much like coming into this I've we wrote like, that out of the office felt yeah. like a moron like, yeah not knowing anything about it <laughs> and yeah it, it's helped already a heap and um yeah i think just to pick up those little bits and pieces yeah. like there's plenty of other stuff that doesn't i guess stay relevant to people voting um, and, and federally it's the same but it's pretty rare that you'll get a government with a massive majority Mm. and our party so labor mps get kicked out of the party if they vote against the party our mps don't yeah if you're a minister the convention is that and the sort of the honorable thing to do is if you disagree with the government you resign or you'll probably get sacked for Going against Would the you government. get sacked and picked up later? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you, you, you won't get sacked as an MP, though. Right. So that's why you see rogue backbenchers uh, who will cross the floor, basically, mm-hmm. on whatever their particular issue In is. Back- it's not a great team approach, mm. but that's they don't get kicked out of the party. Backbenchers referring to the people In Who that aren't room in the sitting- front bench. Yeah. So the front bench is the ministry, basically. Yeah. And for the... The government, it's the ministry, and mm-hmm. for the opposition, it's the shadow ministry. Yeah, and yeah. you're 58. Is that? Oh, that's deceiving? that's just arbitrary numbers. But no, I, I'm I'm a shadow minister, so I'm a, yeah. sort of behind the leader up the front there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Labor's actually is uh, this is very deep dives on. That's all right. Go for it. Labor's is in order of importance, right. so it goes premier, yeah, uh, treasurer leader of the house then it goes deputy premier and then the ministers are ranked and seated in order of their status in the government oh wow so it, they go de- so i think it determined goes on like how long they've been in they're, there they're pretty rigid so they've got they've got pretty rigid factions i honestly i don't know how it all works for them but mm. they have factions that sort of determine who gets what and what the numbers are within the within the ministry so how's lmp set up <laughs> Whatever the leader wants, Whatever basically. Wants. Who gets in there first? Yeah. No, like, like the leader, the leader. Well, same with Labor, but the leader chooses who the the front bench is. Yeah. Labor, I think, just have more of a factional, uh, defined role for particular sides of the party, whereas ours is just sort of. It'd be a mix of like you know who sits down. Well, not who sits down, but like I, I don't know the leader, and they'll they'll think about things like uh, oh we can't have too many from the Gold Coast or we can't have mm. too many from north queensland or we can't have too, too many, many 25 year olds yeah <laughs> uh, i'm a little older now thankfully but but there'll be those considerations and it'll be it, a lot of it's performance based so i want that person because they're genuinely a good performer i think they'd add value to that role mm. or 
it might be I want them in that role because they add to that skill set. Uh, that's that's sort of how it'll work. What are you yeah. What are your thoughts on like a democratic system where there isn't a two party? I guess uh, like with Liberal and Labor mostly like if you just had say a hundred people in a room that had to pass in their vote and well hundred not being a being around uh, an even number sorry probably wouldn't work but yeah what are your thoughts on like the current system i think we sort of touched on it before but we elect people who are accountable to us that's that's the basis of it and that's really important because it's not only your local member but the government whether they're part of the government or their party they're accountable to you as as a voter and a voter in that particular electorate and that's the basis of our system and i think it's really good Mm. because otherwise it'd be pretty populist i think uh and you wouldn't have a clear line of who is your representative yeah i think that's the basis of our system and i think it's a really important thing yeah yeah well, on to our next question. If you had a billboard anywhere that everyone could see and it can't say vote liberal. <laughs> okay, good. Um, yeah, like a, yeah, something that's important to you, like a quote or, or just something you need everyone to see. I, th- I think I, if, if I could, it'd be a JBF billboard with, uh, with Jacko on it and uh, mm-hmm. some information about the, the foundation. I think that's a, a cause really close to my heart. So I think that's what I would put on a billboard. Let's and we have managed to get, get it done. <laughs> yeah, well, we have we have got one. Uh, David actually helped us get one on Hope Island Road on a yep. digital billboard there. Uh, Brett's, I think, um, getting onto the councillor in Surface Paradise to try to yeah, get one in there too. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what I would have. Yeah, yeah cool. So, last question. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> that's all right. Last question: What's the future look like for Sam O'Connor? Oh. Well, I want to actually be part of a party that wins government at some point. <laughs> yeah. We've uh, we've lost every election except except one since nineteen eighty seven, I think. So that's not good. Uh, no. So I I want to win in twenty twenty four, and mm-hmm. I want to be the environment minister in the in the Queensland government, and I want to uh, I want to achieve all the things that I talk about, whether that's on the Great Barrier Reef or climate change or protected areas or or just trying to bridge that gap between the people in the regions and particularly farmers and, and the people in the urban areas who uh, are really passionate about these things. Mm. Uh, I want to actually deliver outcomes. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we really appreciate your time. We've got a quick yeah. look at your schedule and you're flat out. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> awesome to get you We've down here. Yeah, well, and thanks to anyone who made it through that deep dive. Into like, <laughs> we got way too caught up on preferences. Yeah. I think you and Lego. <laughs> That was that was like even I was getting lost there and no, like this I is think, my bread and butter. I think it's important. Like I think people really want to know what they're voting for, and yeah, the the more the more they know, the better. So yeah, mm. yeah. Thanks for coming. Thank down. you. That's all right. Thank you. And uh, hello to any other adult Lego fans out there. <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's a it's a good way to unwind and to have some nice is, little display pieces for your house. Is it defined as adult Lego when you buy it, or it just says Lego and you're like, oh, well, now we're getting deep. Dive. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it even says 18 plus on the box. Yeah, but it's clearly pitched at adults, and I'm going to maintain that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to. This is the most in depth I've talked about adult Lego. Um, it's clearly like it's like they can read my brain sometimes, <laughs> like the way like they market it. It's it's clearly pitched at adults, so they uh, they will you know the tumble like. Mm. Who mm. who of my age does not love the Dark Knight? Yeah. How is that not like your favorite movie or some of the Star Wars, like the the Republic gunship from Attack of the Clones? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, maybe next time when we get young, we'll, we'll chat more Lego and less politics. I, yeah. I think maybe we can like do a build or something. Yeah. Maybe we could do it together <laughs> or something. That might be good. The well. workshop. Yeah. 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 Oh, thanks it. for having me, boys. Thank no, you. I appreciate it.